Amen. Amen. It's a great to start a new year together. And in starting that new year, we'll be uh, focusing the next uh, few months uh, in the book of 1 Timothy. Uh, these are called the pastoral epistles, uh, which means the, uh, these are letters written for the pastoring of the church, of the oversight and conduct of the church. And for us, I think it's a very important ser- uh, uh, series to go through uh, as we have, and churches not just in Brenham but around the world um, have been in a time of great challenge just being the church. Uh, this week, uh, Kathy and, uh, and Elijah and I were talking about uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, that there is a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. And we were a church that knew how to embrace. And because of all the things going around, now we've had to refrain from embracing, but only for a season. Amen? I don't know about you, but I am ready to no longer refrain from embracing, but to embrace again. And so that time is coming. That time is coming And uh, I look forward to us being prepared for that time uh, and looking forward to a new season. And so very intentionally, we're going through 1 Timothy as a way to have a kind of refreshing and renewal, a time of re-envisioning what will Redeemer be like after all of this pandemic. And so it's helpful to go here because the book is written from Paul to his uh, little brother, his child, Timothy. And Timothy has been put in place of the church at Ephesus, or the churches of Ephesus. And see, he has a, a great responsibility in a community that is very much against the things of God, the things of Jesus Christ, And people who are within the church trying to understand who God is, who Christ is, what does it mean to be the people of God. And so Paul is writing back to Timothy and telling him, these are my instructions for you. Just like we see in the book of Titus, when when Paul wrote to Titus, it's the same kind of thing. Look, I'm not going to be with you, so here here is how you should order things. And so as we look through uh, 1 Timothy, uh, we don't hear the key verse until halfway through the book. It's as if the first half of the book is a greeting to Timothy. Uh, He doesn't really get us to where we, like, so what are we, what is this about? And he is just, he's talking with Timothy because he loves Timothy. And he is just greeting him and sharing just bits and pieces. And finally, in the middle of chapter 3, in verses 14, 15, and 16, I think we'll have them up here on the board. It'll give us an opportunity to see where we will be going over these next uh, six, seven weeks. And this is what he says to him. Paul is writing Timothy. He says, I hope to come to you soon. But I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, and he is going to delay. It's, he's saying, if I delay, but I'm going to be delayed. Like if he was showing up tomorrow, he wouldn't have to write all these things. He's not coming for a while. You may know 
how one ought to behave in the household of God. That's what he's calling the church. This is how you should behave. This is the actions that you should take in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. Those things are synonymous. The church of the living God and the household of God. A pillar and buttress of the truth. Church of the living God. It is a pillar and buttress of the truth. It is the the things that hold up the household of God. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. This is where it gets a little like, what? He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. So Paul is saying to Timothy, I'm going to give you instructions in this book so you know how to do life in the church, how to be the household of God. And when you think of the word household, you're thinking of family and together and people. And so I'm going to teach you how to do that, but I'm also going to be sharing with you and doing this work within this mystery, within this mystery. And as we read through those verses, it's pretty quick, we're pretty quick to understand who he's talking about, not necessarily what he's talking about. And so we, we see that he's talking about Jesus and what Jesus has meant to the world. As we live out and behave as he would want us as the household of God, there is a mystery to this. Because what God does when he sends his son who is foreign to this world, we have to begin to understand, whoa, okay, so how do we get some of that down here and live that out? That's a new kind of thing. And so it is a mystery to us how we live out, as we like to say here, how do you live out the gospel? How do you live out this good news? Because we know what our flesh says to do. We know that people around us are saying, but what does this gospel look like lived out? What is that mystery? And so we are hopefully going to unfold some of that gospel living, that that mystery that we find in God being made flesh. And what does it mean that he arose again? What does it mean that he ascended to the heavens? What do those things mean for us? And how does that teach us how to behave? (laughs) That's what my mom and dad would say to me a lot. Marcus, just behave. It was a mystery, yeah. Yeah, could never figure that out exactly. I think this is important for us to see is that what is, what is Paul comparing the church to? He says the church is a household, the household of God. Uh, a few years ago, my family got together and we, we came up with some uh, different uh, uh, hallmarks of our family. So uh, Randy Wells is, uh, Pastor Randy Wells is, is a, 
good friend of mine. And so one day he was talking to me about this. He said, you know, Marcus, in our family, we have these four kind of pillars in our household, things that are really important. And he, he recited, and I remember one was uh, scholastic, our, our education is important, uh, ministry is important, service is important. So he, he gave me his four, and I could easily see all of these things in his life. If you know uh, Randy Wells, like he is, he's full of that, you know? So that's like who he is. And that's like, man, that's a great idea. Why don't we apply that to my family? So our family came up with the four things, and we made a crest out of it. Uh, so uh, here, is, here is our handiwork here. Uh, I kind of came up with the ideas, but my, uh, my brother here, my brother, I think we have on the screen. There we go, yeah. So my brother did all the artwork and, and all that, and so you're probably wondering, what do those things mean? Well, I'll tell you. Um, so in the top, uh, the top left corner, your, left, your top left corner is, uh, the dub uh, is peace and love. Uh, and then to, my brother's probably watching. I hope this, I get this right. He's the one that put those up there. But uh, the one on the top right is for industry, like a busy bee. Um, our family uh, wants to be known by, is active in being industrious. So there are soaps and candles and uh, Wood, uh, oh, duck calls, and all kinds of things all over my house. All that. What's that? Cupcakes. That's right. The, my house. Be honest. My house is a mess. But in this, uh, Wendy's not here, so I'll say that. And I don't think she's watching. She's at church in Chicago. So uh, let's not archive this, by the way. But anyway, so full of industry. And then the bottom left corner. Uh, is wisdom and knowledge, the gaining of wisdom and knowledge, and in the bottom right corner is hospitality. And so then the kind of the banner over it is that uh, the, our lives should, not, should be for Christ to the ends of the earth. And so uh, we have adopted this as our family crest, um, and we put it, put it on everything now. So this, <laughs> this is the 2021 Law Hunt calendar. That's not that nice. That's right. And the 2020 Lawhon, there we go. 2020 throw rug. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Yeah, you're, yeah. So, I don't, has anyone seen this before? I don't think many of you have seen this before. The reason you haven't seen it is because it's not really for you. Uh, this, is, these, this is hearth work, you know, the fireplace. This is hearth work. This is for our family. In our house, hearth, you know, the, the wood thing that sits above your fireplace, which we don't have in Texas, but some of you do, but not many of us. And you, you place important family stuff there. This is something to both kind of capture who we are, but also to be for our family to say, this is who we're going to be. These are the things that are important to this, this clan. This is the things that we do. There are other things that are important, but this will be our mark in the world. And so it is something for us to call our, ourselves back to. Uh, it's also a way to call our children to, to have a vision for what the world will look like and how to operate in that world. And so we, we, uh, we are posting it in different places. Soon we have a castle outside and somehow we'll be on the castle, I know, maybe a little much, but that's okay. 
But when Paul is writing to Timothy, he's giving him a crest. He's saying, this is, this is who we are, and this is who we're going to be. This is what the, the household is going to be. This is what we're going to put up on the hearth, because I want to keep reminding you, this is who we are. This is what we do. And as awesome as these things are, they don't tell you exactly how to do it, though, right? So Timothy is going to get some instructions from Paul how to carry these things out. And so we're going to be looking at that, and we'll, we'll, in the second half of the year, we'll look at 2 Timothy as well and kind of get uh, the whole input that Paul is going to have uh, for his young brother. And he is going to help explain also this mystery that is, uh, is found in Jesus Christ, what this gospel living looks like. Are you excited? Come on. Are you ready to do this together? Amen. We're going to be building uh, and seeing how this crest for us builds out. And, and then we'll have to work through, well, then, Lord, how do you want us to implement that? in this community here and in that community out there. So let's start. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Begins and says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy, my true child in the faith, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. The household of God. You see, the household of God is not just a a gathering of people, like we're part of a club, or or we're we're some kind of organization that is trying to draw people in and and be a good nonprofit, (laughs) you know? But We're called to be the people of God, to be in community together as the family of God. The family of God present here, but also the family of God that's present across the world. We have a larger spiritual family. Isn't this beautiful how Timothy is calling, uh, that Paul is calling Timothy his true child in the faith? There is just kind of a, a warmth there, isn't it? Isn't there just a a closeness, a love, an affection, but also a desire to see him succeed, a desire to see him move forward, a a responsibility that he has for his true child, his true child. Why does he he say true child? Well, there's probably a couple of reasons. One is like, it's an emphasis, like, really, you're my boy. You're going to do it. But what we know about Timothy, Timothy comes from a mixed family. He has has a a Greek dad and a Jewish mom, which means he's nothing. (laughs) The the Jews would not consider him to be family. And so there is some real question about, do you belong? And what he's saying is, boy, you belong. You're my true child. You're part of the family. You have all rights to be a part of this family. I don't know what they're saying out there, but in this family, you belong. And I want to tell you, that's a good word for us, church, as we enter into this time as the people of God. You belong. 
no matter what you had before and what you were like before this walk, you belong. You are a child of God, not in the child of God in that you were born in part of all creation and flowers and rainbows. No, no, you, you, are, you are born again a child of God. You are his. You belong here. And we need to be careful that we're going to be inviting more and more people into this household of God. And as we do, we're going to continue to say, you belong here. You belong here, not because of what you did before or what separates us in this messed up world. You belong here because you are a child of God, my true child. Welcome home. That's right. We've been waiting for you. The household of God, a spiritual heritage. We see, we'll see a little bit later on that, that Paul is going to be saying, I'm, I'm passing down in 2 Timothy. I'm passing these things down to, Timothy, to, to you, Timothy, so you can teach others, so they can teach others. It is a, 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 a family that has generations of belief. And that informs us in our pastoral life as we are shepherd together that we should have children. We, we should have spiritual kids Spiritual family. We should have those that we look up to and, and learn from in our mentors and those that we are mentoring and loving and, and bringing up in the faith and that we care for as a father cares for his son and for his daughter. That should be the mark of the church. And just as it's true from Paul to Timothy, it should be true to the people at Redeemer Church and the people that Redeemer Church touches and cares for, and loves, and grows up in the faith. And so we should, as we look around our congregation, we are blessed with people about this tall. Amen. Man, we got a big responsibility. And we have people about this tall, and this tall, that will be coming in a week and a half. We have a responsibility to them too. To raise them up, and, and show them what it means to be followers after God and pursue him with all of our hearts, mind, soul, and strength. There's an intimacy in discipleship. <clears throat> discipleship. It isn't just about Sunday mornings. Although Sunday mornings, is, are, Sunday mornings are critical, it, it extends beyond this. It is a, a, a relationship of intimacy and discipleship. As we, we see that uh, Paul is writing and writing and writing, and he finally tells us halfway through the book what he's writing about. And as he's writing, he is showing this, this encouragement to his son, I want you to succeed. We need to be a minister of such graces as these. You know, the church isn't an anthill. You know, where people are like coming, we come to the church, go back out again, come back in. Like, it, it shouldn't be everyone bustling around, dropping in and out and doing their duty like a drone. Rather, we're here to encourage each other in the faith. We need that. We all need that. We need to both extend that, those love and that mercy and that grace to others, and we need to receive it ourselves. He finishes uh, verse, uh, the second verse by saying, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. These are, these are normal words that uh, Paul uses in his greetings. 
and uh, he adds mercy in there. Oftentimes it's just grace and peace, but uh, I don't know what his emphasis was, but he really wants you to get this idea of this grace and mercy. The kind of the two sides of one coin, the, the one of giving good gifts and the other of receiving forgiveness. You see, our church should be built on grace, mercy, and peace that we have both received and now we're extending to others. Our church should be forged out of grace, mercy, and peace. We'll see in, in just a moment, as we look a few verses down, Paul is saying that there, I mean, Paul is saying that in the church at Ephesus, there are those who are teaching and they are calling everyone to come back and follow the law, to come back and follow the law. Let's, let's fulfill the law and then we'll be at peace with God. And that is opposite of why Jesus came. Jesus came and he fulfilled the law. We don't have to fulfill the law because what, well, the truth is we're no good at it. We keep failing. So we had to have, as part of this mystery, we had to have God himself come and live on this earth and do all that he did, died and resurrected and ascended again. He had to do those, living a holy life. He had to fulfill the law because we could not. So he says, don't, don't listen to them. Don't go back to trying to fulfill the law, but now live in grace, mercy, and peace. Because actually the law is not written for you. The law is written for those who are godless. It is written for those who are continuing in sin. That's who the law is. I've come to give you a new law, a new way to break the chains and give you grace, mercy, and peace. So live in those things. And if you live in those things, if you walk in the spirit, those other things don't even make sense to you anymore. So you walk away from them. You have committed in salvation that you are going to repent from your old life and now turn to me. And if you're turning to Jesus, then you're going in the right direction. You are living out grace, mercy, and peace. The house of God, household of God is forged in these things. It, it is the peace as is given to us. It is the peace that is now practiced in the church. And the peace now we administer in the world. Could you, could you check yourself for a minute? Are you receiving regularly the peace of God in your life? The peace, that's the word shalom. That is that word of, of healing and making all things that are broken, making them right again. So is your life marked by that kind of peace? If not, if you feel, if you are overwhelmed, undone, I would encourage you back to that peace. Are we seeing that peace with each other? Are we administering that peace to one another? Are we, are we graceful with each other, recognizing that all of us are sinners? And look at each other and say, uh, uh, I'm going to a little grace on this one. <laughs> right? We need it. They've wronged me again. I'm going I'm to give them mercy on this one. Are you, are you administering that to your, the household? And are you about that in the world around us? In, in what ways is the world any different 
from your presence as the follower of Jesus Christ today than a year ago? Have you made any difference at all? Have you been an agent of peace, of fixing the broken stuff? Turn on the news. We need agents of peace, amen? When the world is falling apart, the world needs the church, whether they want it or not. Whether they delete us or not. Verse 3. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons. <laughs> I like how he says that. doesn't mention the names. You know who I'm talking about. Not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculation, rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. He's saying there there are some pretty sharp people in your church right now in Ephesus, but they're doing much study in the wrong direction. They're educated. They know their stuff. It's just the wrong stuff. And they're teaching it. For the crest of the household of God one of the icons that must be there is truth. And even though there's much study, it has to be much study in the right direction. There is truth. So we need to be marked as a people who study, who understand, who interpret, give sound teaching. These are critical to the household of God. These things matter. Teaching is foundational and fundamental to us as the people of God. We see it all through Titus, uh, through First and Second Timothy. Paul is saying over and over again, now listen, young men in the faith, teach, teach, teach. And when you have any questions, what I want you to do is, I'm going to have you teach again. When we're training pastors in, in Kenya, if you ever ask them, what is the theme of the book of Titus, they will shout back to you, teach, teach, teach. And when we do biblical counseling, we say, how do you, how do you best help your people change for the gospel? And the answer is, teach, teach, don't beat, teach, because sometimes they want to do that. Teach. There is a truth. The word of God is true. We should teach the word. We, uh, we see at the end here in verses 5 and 6, and I'll, I'll close with this today, verse 5. Paul says, the aim of our charge, what we're shooting at, is love. It is a love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. You know, those are, that's one of those Verses you have to read like nine times, right? Do you have those verses? You kind of go, what? Those are a lot of words. What in the world is he saying here? Let me read it again. And you can read it nine times at home for yourself. The aim of our charge is love that issues from 
A pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Did you see that? A pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. So what he wants to see in the church is that one of those icons will be the truth. Another one of those icons will be love. These are marks of the household of God. And it is a love that isn't just a, well, I love everybody. Well, it is a love that issues from a heart that is a pure heart. It doesn't come with other motives. And we'll see there are other motives that that Paul is going to pick out in the church of Ephesus, why people would be acting loving towards somebody, but the act would not become something, it was not coming from something that was of a pure heart. It was a heart that had other intentions. So he says, I want you to have a heart within this household that is a pure heart, not for selfish motives, but to love people because you have been extended grace and now you're extending to others. This is how you're to live your life. This love is from a pure heart and a good conscience, which means I don't want you just to live nicely towards other people. You yourself have to be as holy as God is holy. That you are to come from a good conscience, that there's nothing clouding your mind in your life that would bring reproach. So just because you love somebody, you should have a life that follows that. You should, have, uh, you should be confessing and you should have a good conscience. This is the kind of love that you are to have for the world. We can have a love that is very inviting to the world. We can give away stuff. We can pay credit card debt for the, for the masses. We can have Christmas uh, events where there are toys that drop from helicopters on people. And those are cool things, but they can be very fleshly. They can be very, well, they, they could not come from a pure heart. They could be for other reasons. And you and I can function that same way. We, we offer love to people, but we want something in return. Uh-oh. Has anyone ever done that before? Yeah. We, we love to get something back. Well, you know, I, I kind of thought when I did that, you, you would respond... <laughs> You didn't. And so he says, I want your love to be, uh, to to extend from pure heart, good conscience, and a sincere faith, a sincere trusting in Jesus and walking with Jesus. So it it has a source and it has a mission the love we're to have. So here we are. Day one. Putting together the Redeemer crest. The the crest that was at Ephesus. And here's the two things that I want you to make sure that you see. we We are called out to be a people who are marked by the truth. We desperately care what the truth is, and we're willing to spend time and study and focus interpretation and in prayer 
consideration, meditation, to know what the truth is, and to proclaim that truth. If you've been around us, you've been to the new members class, you know, one of, one of those things that we say is proclamation, that we are called to be a people who proclaim the truth to each other, to ourselves, and to the world around us. The second point is that we have, we have both truth and we also are marked by a love, a sincere love, a love that does not seek its own. This is who we are. As we come as the children of God and we look up on the hearth, I want you to see those things. Those are the things that I'm striving for. That's the way to behave in the household of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you um, for these instructions today in informing us of the, the right way to go and the way to be. And so we admit in these days as we, are, we continue to get a, a clear focus and understanding of who you are and what you would want from us and how to live out this life, we admit we don't always have the application down. We often don't have even the interest or the heart. And so, Lord, we will ask that your Holy Spirit working in us will move us to greater understanding and give us the impetus to live out these truths in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Or that we'd be people of truth and we'd be a people marked by your love. And so, Lord, I ask for even this week for these words to um, resonate in the hearts and minds of those who are watching um, online and those who are present here. And Lord, we would see those crucial moments um, throughout the week of deciding whether we're going to love or not. And Lord, it will be a time of conviction for us. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, win the day and fall in people's hearts and minds. But that's the gospel. So we look forward to it. We bless your name. In the name of Jesus, amen.